to the home of Simon and Andrew. Simon's mother-in-law was in bed with a fever, and they immediately told Jesus about her. So he went to her, took her hand, and helped her up. The fever left her, and she began to wait on them. That evening after sunset, the people brought to Jesus the sick and the demonic possessed, and the demon possessed. The whole town gathered at the door, and Jesus healed many who had various diseases. He also drove out many demons, but he would not let the demons speak because they knew who he was. Now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he went out and departed to a solitary place, and there he prayed. Let us pray. Father, in the mighty name of Jesus, we're grateful that we're in the house and that we can celebrate your presence together as brothers and sisters in Christ. God, we thank you that the Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are the sons and the daughters of God. And there's something very special that happens when all of God's children get together. What a time, what a time, what a time. And so, God, we've had a time. And now we sit at your banquet table. Feed us, O oh Lord Jesus, the very word of life. You are the Logos. We need a rhema word today. We are receptive. We have ears to hear what the Lord says. Now bless. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Amen. Praise the Lord. I am really blessed by our first 15 minutes of prayer, 6, to, 6 o'clock to 6.15. And uh, I, I try to get on at least 15 minutes earlier. And some of the real seasoned saints are already on the line at 5.30. God bless them. But my heart, as Pastor Heyman has mentioned, is overjoyed by the millennials who are getting on the line every morning to pray. I pray that the Lord would bless them with husbands, great jobs, if that's what they believe God wants for them. Amen. Amen. And uh, I pray that the Lord would continue. Just move on the hearts of our church as we seek to be one in him. And we know that that happens, that happens through prayer. Amen? Amen? God is moving because of prayer. God is about to do something very crazy at our church. He is about to blow us out of the water in terms of above and beyond what we could have imagined or thought. I'm convinced that we are on the brink of a spectacular move of God in our church and the way that God not only brings or births those things, he sustains them through prayer, through prayer. So get ready. Get ready. God is about to do something very special. I don't make those kind of hocus-pocus, abracadabra statements. I just know what God has uh, caused them all to to introduce boxing gloves to the residents. This was all boys. Women were not allowed in the dorm at that time. And so what we would do for entertainment, two guys would put the, these are professional boxing gloves, and they would put the gloves on, and they would go at it in the middle of the floor, and the guys kind of made a little circle. I watched that for a couple days. Let me show, thinking myself, these brothers what a, what a North Philly dude can do. I'm watching, I'm watching. I'm waiting till somebody gets out that I figure I, figure I can handle. <laughs> Tall, skinny dude. I decided, put them on. Get my gloves all laced up. 
And uh, I decided to take the Mike Tyson tactic. Straight ahead, fist blazing, hope you hit something. So I bounced around a little bit before I went straight ahead. I was north and south. I don't know if I hit him. I don't believe I did. <laughs> but he definitely got two decisive blows targeted at the center of my forehead. And the next thing I remembered was the, the brothers in the room coming in between us and pulling us away. Now, I had no idea. I was, I was still swinging and going forward. What I didn't know is that I was knocked out. <laughs> I was, <laughs> I saw stars, <laughs> but I was standing and I was unconscious, but still standing. The only thing that kept me from being on the canvas or on that concrete floor was when those brothers jumped in between and pulled us apart because they saw that my eyes were going in opposite directions. <laughs> and the next blow would have had me extremely embarrassed. I might have left school on that day once I woke up. I never stopped swinging. I kept going forward. I was knocked out punching. I didn't know that that skinny dude was a trained boxer. He just looked kind of easy. <laughs> I knew how to punch, but I did not know how to box. For the last two years, all of us have been in the ring. Nobody told us to put gloves on, though. <laughs> None of us were trained for this fight, the coronavirus. And all of us, no matter how much we smile and keep on swinging and going forward, have escaped being tagged by the impact that the coronavirus has had on us emotionally and mentally. We all have been traumatized. Somebody has said, and rightfully so, we are the only creatures that God ever made that run faster when we lost. And so I want to suggest to you as we take a moment to reflect on what God has to say in his word. I want to ask you some questions to see if you agree that you have been inflicted with some blows. Do you feel that you never can catch up these days? You feel just tapped out. I have never experienced not wanting to do anything, but there are times when I don't feel like doing anything. Have you gone on vacation and come back and feel like you worked harder <laughs> on your vacation by the time you get to the airport and they cancel your flight and people, you know, walking in a million different directions, you're standing in a long line, and uh, the older you get, the more complicated. It's like the Lord said, lo, I am with you always. Now I know why Jesus said, lo, I am with you. You almost need a college degree in technology to navigate your way through the airport. Are you having a hard time enjoying the things that used to bring you joy. You just don't know why. It just doesn't do anything for you. 
Have you experienced this? Do you feel like putting your hands on people rather than praying for them? <laughs> you want to lay hands. <laughs> That's what's happening on these airplanes. People losing their minds. Trauma and acting out just... Uh, Grenades waiting to explode. Are you really functioning at your best? And if not, what percentage would you say you're functioning at? 50, 40? I told you last week that 43% of preachers that were, that were interviewed said they want to quit. Do you find that the things that used to roll off your back tick you off now. <laughs> the little thing. The little stuff. Are you struggling with short-term memory? You texting? You don't, you, you texting, but you don't even know who you texting or why you text them. You read the email, you said yes, and then it was time for you to produce what you said you were going to do. You didn't remember to do what you said you were going to do because you forgot it. We're overwhelmed. We are, we are, we are taxed, are tapped out. Are you the kind of person that I'm cool, I'm good, I can take a licking and keep on kick, kicking or ticking, whatever they say? A lot of Christians live in denial, and again, we're just punching and moving forward, but we have no concept of the fact that we are not functioning in a way that God intended for us to function. We're not healthy. We're not healthy. And maybe for some of you, the first thought would come, I need more vacation. I'm, what I'm about to talk about now is this is not vacation. Vacation does not renew your soul. It does not, restore your, does not restore your spirit. It will give you rest, but if, if, the, if the focus is not what it should be, you're not going to find yourself able to function in the way that God intends. Now, Jesus understood the need for personal and emotional health. That's why we read in Mark chapter 1, verse 31, the scripture says, He went out and departed to a solitary place. And there, and there he prayed. The fuel that is needed to replenish our depleted tank spiritually is what Jesus was seeking. The Lord is our example for how to re renew our spirit. God does not want us operating, going through the motions religiously and just being uh, actively involved but not controlled, not controlled by a spirit. And so just like you recharge your, your cell phone every day, in order for it to function properly, we need to recharge, recharge our inner man in order for us to get healthy, in order for us to go forward. Yeah, the mask could come off. People are traveling like COVID never happened, but we still aren't fully recovered. We're not. And so I want to talk about pausing. Jesus went out, and he found a pause, a solitary place, and there he prayed. We need to learn how to push the pause button to get our spiritual batteries recharged. Now, I'm going to share some ways that we can refuel ourselves spiritually. We can refuel ourselves spiritually, make you a better husband, make you a better wife, make you really enjoy your time and, and days don't run together. Do you know it's Monday and not Sunday and you're not calling the pastor on a Sunday morning? Where are you? <laughs> what steps are you required to pause in order to refuel spiritually? I want to look at the example of Christ to help you to get to a place 
where you are healthy as a person, where you can see yourself from the vantage point, when you see yourself in the mirror of the word of God, and when you see yourself for who you really are, it, all, it starts inwardly. The, the, the devil is a liar. He wants you to focus on the external, what you've accomplished, where you have gone, who you know, how you look, what's your waistline, what's your age, and how healthy are you. All those things are fleeting. The Bible says the outward man is perishing, but the inward man is being renewed. Day by day, ladies, he said, let your beauty, let your adornment first start on the inside, on the inside. And so I want to help you as well as myself to learn how to have an inward proper understanding and sense of myself as it relates to the Lord. The first thing that is necessary to move ourselves out of this state of just kind of flinging and waiting for what's the next thing that's going to happen. Fourteen people killed in South Africa last night and people going to a funeral and somebody drives up into next to the funeral procession and kills two of the people. What's going to happen next? What I do know, if we don't prepare ourselves, we will not be able to properly respond. The first thing that is needed, write this down, determination to pause, to pause, to make time to focus on your relationship to the Lord so that you will be what God has designed you to be. Determination is needed. Determination is needed to pause from the stresses in our life. The verse helps us to understand about the hectic. Uh, in order to appreciate what Jesus does in verse 35, we need to go back to the beginning of the chapter. The Bible says that Jesus is in Capernaum. And it's first thing in the morning, he goes into the temple and he begins to teach. And the Bible says that he teaches as one who has authority and those who are gathered, they are astonished at his, at his teaching skill and the confidence in which Jesus is teaching. And so in the middle of his instruction, the Bible says that a man stands up who has a withered hand, and he is demonically possessed. And he's not standing up to say, amen, praise the Lord, keep on preaching. The demon inside of the man says, why have you come to torment us? The Bible says it was on the Sabbath, and so the Jews were watching to see what Jesus would do. Would he heal? Would he deliver on the, on the Sabbath? And, and what's interesting is the only person in that room that knew that Jesus was, in fact, the Son of God was the demon. Why have you come to torment us, Son of God? And then the scripture says that Jesus cast out the demon. And those who were more concerned about rules and righteousness, they got upset. We don't do this on the Sabbath. We don't help people when, they, when they're demon-possessed. But Jesus delivered the man from demonic possession. And then after that, the scripture tells us when we get to verse 29 that Jesus goes into the house of Simon's mother-in-law. Now, he's been teaching all day. And when he gets to Simon's mother-in-law's house with the other disciples, finds Simon's mother-in-law sick. She has a fever, and she's unable to serve. The Bible says that Jesus goes in the room where Simon's mother is, and he, he touches her, and immediately, that's what the gift of healing is, is immediately, he doesn't say, go take two pills and wait a couple weeks, and then maybe you'll get better. No, the gift of healing is instantaneously all the time when it's God operating. And so she gets healed, and the Bible says she begins to serve. And before Jesus could even finish properly being served and, and receiving food, the Bible says that the people from the city, they gathered at the door. They brought everybody that was sick, everybody that was demonically possessed. And so the scripture says that until the wee hours of the morning, Jesus healed many, and he delivered all of those who was demonically possessed 
and he would not let the demon speak. There's, there's a passage in Mark, and we're not going to look at that, but in Mark chapter 3, verses uh, 20 through 21, the, the scripture says that Jesus is ministering. This is another example of how Jesus' normal day would go. He is ministering all day with his disciples, and he, the ministry is so intense and the need is so great that the Bible says they didn't have time to eat. And so this was communicated to his mother and half-brothers, and they concluded that Jesus, because he was neglecting his physical needs to meet spiritual needs, that Jesus had actually lost his mind. You guys don't believe that. Let me read it. It says, uh, it says then Jesus entered the house, and again, a crowd gathered. So he sat with his disciples. He sat with his disciples who were not able to eat. Verse 21, it says, when his family heard about this, they went to take charge of him, for they said he is out of his mind. They wanted 302 Jesus. Involuntarily commit Jesus to the nearest mental health hospital. And Jesus was told, your, 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 your half-brothers and your mother at the door. He says, he looked around the crowd. He says, who's my mother? Who's my father? Who's my family? He says, those who do the will of God. And so Jesus' ministry was so intense most of the time that there were days when he literally did not have an opportunity to eat. But what we discover in Christ had a determination. He had, a, he had a, the ability to make a decision to come to a hard stop when it had to do with reconnecting with the Father, refueling spiritually, getting into the face of God. He, he had determination that no matter how great the need, no matter how many people were pressing him and making demands, there was a time in the day where Jesus says, that's it, it's time for me to shut it down and to replug myself, reconnect myself. And so Jesus knew how to make a decision that my priority, in order for me to be effective in whatever I'm going to do, I need to, make, I need to get serious about my time alone with the Lord, that I can shut it down when necessary. And so all of these needs were occurring in Canaan. Up until the wee hours of the morning, the Bible said he, he healed many, but there came a point where Jesus shut it down. Are you able to shut it down? Are you able to know when you have reached your exhaustion point as it comes to giving out? When the woman who had the issue of blood touched Jesus, Jesus said, who touched me? And the disciples said, boy, you, it's the crowd pressing up against you. How could we know? And how do you even know? Jesus basically said, I can always determine the touch of faith. When faith touched me, I respond. But whenever you give out, virtue leads. And the problem with how we operate is virtue is leaving, but we're not getting replenished. But Jesus shows us that determination that I can make up my mind to stay focused on the purpose that requires that I, I will shut it down when I need to. He shut it down. He had determination in the midst of all of the things that were going on around him. None of us will ever have days like Jesus. The Bible says he was the son of God. He, he, he lived sinlessly and perfectly. He was constantly being set up to fail, but he never failed. And the reason why Jesus was able to succeed, even though he was God, the God-man, is because of this determination, this focused ability. And so on your list of things to get, he said, well, you give me something else to do. No, I'm trying to help you to clear your schedule in a way that you will really know how to prioritize what matters most. You need to have a determination that every single day I'm going to get into the face of the Lord. I'm not going to allow anything to keep me from experiencing that. You also need another thing. You need desperation. The Bible says, now in the morning, having risen a long while before daylight, he'd been up all most of the night ministering. But while everybody else was snoring, 
while the disciples were asleep, while the multitude had gone home healed and delivered, the Bible says that Jesus rose up before the sun even had come out. And so the question is, why would Jesus do that when he had spent most of his day ministering? One of the things that Jesus wanted to do, like those who during the pandemic, it, it, this was curious to me. People lost their jobs. People lost the ability to pay their bills. People for the first time found themselves having to get in food lines. You ever see that? In, in California, some people would get up at four in the morning to get food that wasn't even served until three hours later. Some people waited four hours in line to get, why would they do that? They were desperate. What Jesus was saying is, I, get, I, I want to model something for, for the church, is that I, I, I want to demonstrate that this is how you connect with God. You've got to be desperate. You don't want to be last in line. You want to be first in line. You want to do whatever it takes to make sure you get the spiritual food that is necessary to satisfy your soul. He got up before the dawn. What are you willing to do to get in the face of God? How desperate are you to really move beyond routine, mundane, everyday Christianity? Christ got up before the sun even rose. I like what uh, Jeremiah the prophet was told to say in, in Jeremiah chapter 29, verse uh, uh, 13 and 14 says, then you will, call, you will call on me and come and pray to me, and I will listen. You will seek me and find me when you seek me with all of your heart. I will be found. It's really interesting. If we found, we're talking, the lady was talking about how she loved the, the Jacksons, and uh, I, we would go down to the Uptown Theater, and we, the line would go all the way around the block. And we would get there for the first show, and sometimes we'd stand out in the line in the cold for, until the third show because the shows were all packed out. Why? Because we, were, we had a desperation. We wanted to see our special group. We wanted to be able to say to our friends, we went there, we saw them, we watched them, we listened to them. And, 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 and when it comes to natural things, we don't have any problem making those kind of sacrifices. But Jesus was desperate. Jesus, the Son of God. The one who never sinned demonstrates for us that, that the Bible says when you seek for God with a sincerity and a, a real craving and a hunger, a desperation, the Bible says, then you'll find me. I have this thing for Frosties at Wendy's. Every Sunday night, I ain't supposed to have no Frosties. But something happens to me about 7 or 7.30 at night. And what I understand is that if, if, if I go, there's always a line outside of Wendy's, a drive-through. So what should be a few minutes is going to be, it seemed like hours. But because I crave, I desire I feel like I just got to have a Frosty. I don't mind sitting in the line. I don't mind getting up and going out to satisfy my craving. Do you have a craving for the presence of God? Have you learned, and this is one of the things that when I go places to church, what I want more than anything, yeah, I love great music. I love tremendous preaching. I love for the building to look amazing. But more than that, I'm looking for the presence of God. Is God here? And you, don't, you won't know that if you're not used to being in the face, in the presence of God, because church will seem like it's God when it's not. That's why Jesus said to the church of Laodicea, he said, you're having church. He said, but I'm standing at the door and I'm knocking, but I can't get in. But you're preaching in my name. You're singing in my name. You're shouting in my name, but I've never been invited in. And they had no knowledge that Jesus wasn't in, the, wasn't in the service. 
because it wasn't, they weren't used to being in the face of God. When you get accustomed to encountering God, there's something sweet about that fellowship. There's something that makes you desire it more and more. That David said, he said, like a deer that craves for water, my soul, my soul longs for you. Do you have a desperation? You're not prepared for any healthy long-term relationship. You're not prepared for that blessing that you're asking God for until you learn how to have a personal encounter with God. You know, I got a great job and I got a great husband. Well, I want you to know that there's a level that you'll never reach until you understand what intimacy with the Lord is. Jesus had a desperation. He got up before everybody else. I am not a morning person. Not at all. So when I decided to say, we're going to do this first 15 minutes, <laughs> that was the Holy Ghost. That was not me, because <laughs> I don't roll like that. I got one day in the week on Sunday. I'm up at 5.30 on Sunday, but the rest of the week now, I go, I, I, I go to bed at 1. I, I'm a late, you know. And then the Lord said, do this. And what God has done, because I was willing and desirous for, I'm desperate for God to do what we can't do. So desperation, determination. Here's another thing that has to happen to learn how to get into the presence of the Lord. You need, to, you need separation. God is not having one-on-one -on -one encounters in groups in the way that Jesus experienced it in Mark chapter 1. The Bible says he went out and he departed to spend time in the presence of God. You need to separate from the group. So this is different from verse 15. This is making a time where you're leaving everybody. And I actually believe, I think every church should send their pastor away. Get out of here. Spend time with God. We don't want you even standing in front of us if we know you ain't hearing from God. We, you, you, and this ain't pastor and wife either. This is the pastor getting his spiritual self together. That's why pastors are quitting. It's not the same thing to have God working through you and in you. And so what, what Jesus did, he, there was separation. He got, he took time to be a part. You said, well, I got kids. I can't do it. You can do it right at your sink and have a quiet moment and tell everybody during this time of the day, don't come in here. Separation is needed. Are you willing to make that sacrifice to separate yourself from others? When God is about to reveal something great, and I, there are very few instances in the Bible where God shared secrets in a crowd. When he called Abraham, he was by himself. When Moses was in the wilderness and he saw the bush that was burning but wasn't consumed and God spoke to him through the bush, Moses was by himself. When Hannah was praying in the temple and her tears, the tears were coming down her cheeks and she was crying out and not saying a word. She was by herself in church. And so she didn't care about the crowd. Yeah, it would have been nice to have some music. But more importantly, she wanted to be in the face of God. And she asked God in the silence of praying in the spirit, Lord, bless me with as a child. I, I, I'm infertile. I can't reproduce. But Lord, you do it for me. And God used the, used the priest, Eli, who thought she was drunk and said, about this time next year. Jacob was alone until he got by himself. He, every time you read about Jacob, he had somebody around. Finally, when God got Jacob by himself, he said that the angel of God appeared, and Jacob wrestled with the Lord, and it was in that encounter, that one-on-one -on -one encounter, that God, the angel of God, changed Jacob's name. God is not trying to whisper secrets to you in crowds. And so you need separation. You need separation. 
John, the beloved disciple, was on the island of Patmos. The Bible says he was in the spirit on the Lord's day, and it was while he was in the spirit on the Lord's day that the revelation for the end times, the entire eschatological plan of God was revealed. When God wants to tell you about your call and your destiny, it's going to be because there was separation. You need to learn how to get away and be with the Lord to hear from him. To hear from you know how our phones have facial recognition, and then it, it will open up everything as well. We need to have facial recognition. God is not the cell phone, but God. When we've used to being in His presence, when you, when 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 that practice is something that is routine for you, what will happen is when you take the time to separate yourself, God will appear. God hasn't disappeared. We just keep running. We keep walking around in the days. We keep swinging it. We keep getting more busy. But God is saying, take time for me by separating yourself. Make a date with God. Make a date with God. Here's another thing. Concentration is needed. Say concentration. The Bible says that Jesus went to a solitary place. He went to a place where there were no distractions. No cell phones, no TV, no music in the background. Can you get quiet before the Lord? Can you handle silence? So what, what, what Christ did, in, in order to really focus on the Lord, we need to allow all of the clutter. And, and one of the things that I do, I do when people are dying and they can't speak, listen, why would you go and pray with somebody who can't speak, who, who's in a coma? I don't know how many times the miraculous hand of God has worked. I'm praying with somebody who hasn't spoke, and all of a sudden they speak. Because something happens when you know, when you are, when you recognize, I just want to be present. But the way to be present is to get silent before the Lord and allow the Lord to begin to minister to you in a way that is nothing, no one but him that's talking to you. And when God is moving in that way, as we are silent, as we are quiet before him, we're able to concentrate, looking unto Jesus, focusing on him. What begins to happen, God will begin to reveal things to you in that silence. When is the last time you went somewhere, anywhere, or was somewhere, and there was nothing on but you and your thoughts? We need to learn how to get quiet before God. God is not yelling in ways that he, he's revealing intimate things. Now, he's yelling by the judgments that we see. God is saying, I am chastising. I am bringing punishment. But if you want to know how to have your steps ordered, you need to get quiet. Elijah had fled from Jezebel and told God to kill him. He wanted to, he was depressed. And so, and we, and we talked about this last, last time. We, we don't want to isolate, but there's a time for, to, to get to, to, to separate in order to come together and really celebrate. The celebration is even sweeter when you learn how to be in the presence of God. So anyway, Elijah, the Lord said, he, he tells Elijah, step outside the cliff, outside of the face of the mountain. And he says, he asks Elijah, while he's by himself, he has his undivided attention. He said, what are you doing here? I believe if some of us slow down enough that would be the question that God would ask us. What are you doing here? You've been saved for 15 years. Why are you still here? Why are you still being defeated by the same things that 15 years ago I gave you victory over? Why haven't you stepped out in faith on the things that I told you to do 10 years ago? Why are you still here? The Bible says that God caused an earthquake to shake the mountain. Because he spoke to Elijah through a quiet and gentle voice. To hear God speak, you need to get, you need concentration. You don't need to be distracted. When's the last time that you set aside a dedicated time in your day with everything turned off? Speak to me, Lord. Speak to me, Lord. And not being impatient because <laughs> it's really funny. Fifteen minutes seemed like a long time when you haven't prayed 
for more than 60 seconds. And isn't it funny how when you got to pray, you're looking at the clock. Don't pay attention to the clock. Just pray. I, t- I taught you guys how to pray for an hour. That was the whole point because I knew that we weren't used to praying for 15 minutes. But once you are in a position where you learn how to concentrate on the Lord, turning stuff off, turning stuff off. Oh, my God. Here's another thing. We're moving on. Communication for communion is necessary. Jesus got up before the break of day, went out to a solitary place to what? Pray. Jesus understood that communion with God starts with communication through prayer. You want to communicate with God? One of the things that this time with the Lord in the morning has shown me is that my passion for God needed to be rekindled. There's a fire in my bosom. I am the word. Yes, I am. But the word without prayer leads to coldness. But prayer gives you passion for God. And so Jesus communicated with God through prayer in order to have communion. To be in the presence of God, you have to talk to God. You know how you, uh, <clears throat> you have a code for your phone? And if you don't use the code... You ain't getting on. You're not, you, it's your phone. You're paying the bill, but you will not be able to use it. Well, the code to communicate or get through with God is prayer. Prayer. And yes, there's a need for prayer with brothers and sisters. The Bible commands us to pray, to intercede one for another and with one another. But there's a prayer that involves solitary individual in, encounter with God. Do you have a prayer time like that? Here's a final thing. Submission is needed. After Jesus got finished praying, you guys take my word for this, but it's verse 37, 38. Peter in the crowd comes, and Peter says, Jesus, where you been? Don't you see this mega church down here in Cana? All these people that you could be pastoring. You could get your own office, Jesus. We've been looking for you. Don't you understand? Everybody's putting their orders in. And then Christ says, let us go into the next town that I may preach there also. Here it is. Because for this purpose, I have come forth. He, he, when you spend time in the presence of the Lord, the, the, the thing that will, you're going to get directions from God. And that direction needs to be submitted to. Jesus said, let's roll. Let's roll. And so here's the deal. God is not obligated to reveal any more to you than you are willing to obey from what he's already revealed. The more you follow God, the more he will reveal. Jesus said, Paul said, eyes have not seen Ears have not heard, nor has entered into the hearts of those who God will reveal these things to the Spirit. If you love the Lord like that, there's some stuff that God will tell you that nobody else even knows. I want you to understand, when, when you've been around people that know how to be in the presence of the Lord, I was sharing with some folks that I love and, and know me for many years. I was talking about what our plans are, some of our plans for the building. And elders, we had a meeting yesterday. I tell these, I was talking to these folks. I said, you guys were in our meeting this morning. How would you know? I want you to know what God does when we are submissive by being in his presence. He will speak your need to others. He will tell you the secrets of the enemy. That's what God will do. Now, let me, let me quickly share some things. What are the benefits from pausing, from pausing to coming to a a dedicated stop, a cold stop, a predetermined, I'm, I'm out of here at 9.30. I got a date. Here's some benefits. Here, here's, what, here's some benefits. And this is from, write this down, Matthew chapter 11, verse 28 through 30. Jesus says, come to me, all you who are what? Who labor and are heavy laden, and I will give you what? Rest. Take my yoke upon you and learn of me, for I am gentle and lowly in heart, and you will find rest for your souls, for my yoke is easy and my burden is light. 
the first thing that the benefit of pausing by having a determination, by having the other things that I shared with you, is you will have unlimited access to God who's able to handle all your problems at all times. He said, all you who are weary, how many? All of you who are weary and are worn out, you have unlimited access to God. So when you make up your mind that you're going to separate and get in the presence of the Lord, you know no matter what you're going through, you have access to him. Here's the second thing. Here's the benefit. Rest in the place of your stress in the midst of your test. He didn't say, I'm removing the test. He said, I'll give you rest. You're still on the ship. Things are still crazy all around us. The environment's crazy. The job market's crazy. My kids, the car, everything's out of, out, out of whack. But Christ says, if you come to me, all who come with their weariness and their burdens, I will give you rest in the midst of the test. We also will experience intimacy with Christ. He says, learn of me by taking my yoke and discovering that I am gentle and humble at heart. This isn't, here's where we get messed up as Christians. We think that the way Jesus wants us to learn of him is by memorizing scriptures and getting theological concepts correct. What Jesus is saying, what you will, when you come to me with your burdens and your weariness, what you're going to discover is in the midst of your hurt and your pain, I don't rough you up. I am gentle. I am humble. I know how to handle you. And while you're learning how Jesus is in the midst of what you're going through, we learn how to really have an encounter of intimacy with him. You really know what Jesus is like. A wife will say to her husband, I really know you. You know me too. Well, how do you know me in ways that other people? Because you've seen me in action in ways that nobody else has. When you spend time in the face of God, you see Jesus in actions in ways that nobody else has. He will deal with your hurts and pain. Here's the last thing. Supernatural direction. Elijah had fled from the presence of Jezebel. And the Lord actually said when he talked to him, he fired Elijah. He says, I want you to go back because the assignment wasn't over because Elijah ran. He said, I want you to go back. I'm going to let somebody else finish what you didn't finish. I believe that when we, when we aren't in the face of God, that we will lose. Moses never entered into the promised land because he disobeyed God. There's some things that God has given you to do that some of us are not going to experience because we have not submitted to the will of God because we weren't in the face of God. But when we, when we do, when we spend time with him, what the Lord will do is give. Anybody need direction? Anybody need some answers? Quickly, here's how you do it. Be intentional. I want, to, I, want, I want to suggest to you twice a day, starting tomorrow, three to ten minutes with nothing, no distractions, beginning of your day and the last thing you do. Don't go to your cell phone. Don't go to your computer. Don't turn the TV on. Get some place where you can spend one-on-one -on -one time with God. Three to ten minutes. Three minutes is going to seem like an hour first. Be intentional. Secondly, be consistent. Watch what happens when you discipline yourself about, I am going to set this time aside for God. Be consistent. Be focused on quality time rather than quantity. So we're not talking about hours, but I do think you should take, when you go on vacation, a part of your vacation, say, honey, I'm just going to spend a couple hours with the Lord. I'm going to spend a day away. I'm just going to be with the Lord. I'm taking my Bible. I'm going down the stream side. They don't have no TVs down there. They, don't have, they got terrible reception down there. So you're not going to be able to use your cell phone, but you're going to spend time with the Lord. So be focused. And here's the most important part of this. You can be real with God. What hurts you during these two years? What are you afraid of? What do you feel that God has, a lot of people have left the church. New people are going to come. But some people who have left have left the Lord because they think God hasn't been fair. Somebody in their family died from COVID. But when you've been in the face of God, you can be real. Tell him what hurts you. Tell him.
what is causing turmoil? Final one, be obedient. Be obedient. Be obedient. Learn how to press pause. That will revolutionize your life spiritually. God will take you to places in your authority to hear from him and to speak for him in situations where you shouldn't have this sermon, you shouldn't have word of knowledge, but because of this experience of daily being in his presence. Stand with me. Pausing, pausing, three to ten minutes. This is not the, the first 15. This is something more. First 15, first three to ten minutes of your day, private time with God. In your day, not with the news. In your day, in the presence of God. And watch what happens. I give you 21 days. Come back and give me your testimony of what your experience with the Lord has been. Let's pray. Father, we thank you and we bless you. Father, I, I confess that I have not always been consistent in the busyness of my life. Father, we can be doing things for you like Mary and Martha. Martha was so busy, but you said that Mary was doing the best thing. She was sitting at your feet. Father, when we lose our focus, when we lose our excitement about the things of God, we can look around at people in the church, but Father, it really starts with we haven't been at your feet. We cannot serve you until we sat at your feet. Father, may we make the decision not to decide to do another thing. And if I could get busy, if I could find my place. No, no. Our first place is at your feet. Father, may we pause from all these other things and learn how to be in your presence. And Father, our lives will change from the inside out. The church may not change, the marriage may not, but God, if you change us on the inside, we will find ourselves walking in victory. We thank you in Jesus' name, amen.